Thank you, children. Well, as we celebrate our 50th anniversary, like I mentioned, we are going to be honoring our past administrative staff, and a good number of them are here with us, and so we want to uh, call them by name. I'm going to um, not only share their name, but remind you as to what their position was and when they were serving here among us. I've, I've, I've been told that they, they were all basically in their teens, when they, when they took this job. So don't, don't be thinking anything because of the years that I, that I share about anything, all right? We're just trying to remind ourselves when it is we might have bumped into them going through those doors of the office. It is, it is true, though, and I'm going to share a little bit about this in the sermon how important it is to have a competent office staff, not just for uh, stapling and folding and printing and things like that, but really the, the most important function they did was to uh, welcome uh, and be gracious to people who would come through our door and to uh, help them get an answer to whatever their concern was. Maybe it was a concern about their life or maybe it was just a a more mundane thing, but the folk that have worked in our office have been the front line of our ministry, and so we we want to think of them in that capacity, perhaps even more so than the capacity of doing um, those technical, secretarial, or administrative duties that they did. So I'm going to begin with... Uh, the office manager who served here from 1975 to 1982. I'm going to invite you to come forward. When your name is read, come forward, and we're going to try to line up here right in the front, okay? And then uh, Paul will take a picture to remind us all of us being here today. All right, so office manager from 1975 to 1982 was Jeannie Severance. Jeannie. From 1978 to 1979, program secretary was Sally Friedel. Friedel? Friedel, please come forward. <clears throat> program secretary from 1980 to 1990 was Charlene Sundgren. Are you going to be able to come up? Okay. Ask her about the robbery. <laughs> She'll have uh, a fun story to tell you of her tenure uh, in that office. Guy came in the door. She saw what was happening, jumped out of her desk, threw the stapler at him, <laughs> knocked him to the ground, pinned him down. Staple, 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 staple. <laughs> Isn't that how it happened? I, no, maybe I have it wrong. Maybe it wasn't like that, but it was very exciting. Administrative assistant from 1982 to 1984, Sandy Nodoff. From 1984 to 1985 as administrative assistant, Beverly Quintance Calkins. 
administrative assistant from 1986 to 1998, Sherry Heatherly. <laughs> Program secretary from 
they certainly can do all things. Amen. Amen. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from Acts 6, 2 through 6. And the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. This is God's word to God's people.
Thank you, choir. Purple fingers. Back in the day before, uh, should I say before the dinosaurs, there was a mimeograph machine. <laughs> it was a marvelous invention, and once you made the stencil, you could run a bunch of copies. Uh, you just needed a steady pace so you wouldn't tear the filament, and you needed a strong arm to crank that lever one after another after another. It was inevitable that the purple dye got on your fingers. You knew you were an office worker in those days because of purple fingers. The church office work went through a revolution with the electronic typewriter. The speed really was just boggling of what happened there with the electronic typewriter versus the manual click, 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 click. The miracle of the Selectric where it had a ball and it zipped around and then had a little button over here where the, you could do the corrections and not have to lay that thing, that white thing in there to do the correction. Amazing advancement in machinery. The copy machine retired the mimeograph machine. No more purple fingers ever again. Well, unless you're voting in Afghanistan or someplace else, they, they still get that, don't they? Computers almost replaced the office secretary, except that we needed their style and creativity on documents we discovered. If you left it to the clergy for publicity, there was no telling what kind of product you would get. We also needed their sensibility and relationship skills for the people that would walk into the office. I was thinking about that as I wrote that, how this week there must have been three or four times when people walked into the office and needed some assistance from the staff that we currently have. This has gone on each week, each year, for 50 years. And our office staff handles these people's needs with skill and with caring. So even with the advancing technology, the getting rid of the purple fingers, the need for support staff remains. Shared burdens lighten loads and oftentimes make for a better outcome. So I thought about today's scripture as a, as a marvelous way of, of touching base through uh, 20 centuries over, to my reading, this very similar concern. We have the early church growing. It's growing in leaps and bounds. People are being impacted by the resurre resurrection and the, the telling of that resurrection and then the living into that resurrection in their lives through their prayer, through their trust in what they're hearing from the disciples, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The movement is on fire and people are growing the church movement for Jesus Christ. A variety of people are joining this movement. They are not all observant Jews. They are people who are coming with different uh, social patterns on how to do things, how to care uh, for people in their midst. So the concern has 
uh, bubble to the top that it seems in our early movement we're not caring as well as we should be for the Hellenistic widows. And I'm thinking that's lifted up because perhaps the, the Jewish widows among the Jewish Christian believers are, are falling into the pattern of what we good Jews did with our widows and they were being cared for. But those who, who crossed the cultural barrier into the faith, perhaps they didn't have the same kind of patterns of how to care uh, for some of those basic needs of people. Because remember that Jesus' movement was a movement for all people. It wasn't just a, a Jewish revival movement. It spread beyond the circle of Jews into the Greco-Roman world, into the Gentile population. And people started to notice that contrary to our affirmation that we were going to be caring for everybody, loving and supporting everybody, it appeared that some people were falling through the cracks. And they happened to be those other folk who had come into our community and needed support. Bless them for noticing that, right? Bless them for paying attention to that. So what to do about that? The disciples are remembered as saying, you know, Rachel, I'm not so sure it's something we should bother ourselves with because if we're to do that, we'd be neglecting the holy word of God. It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables, Scripture says. I haven't spent much time with that passage in the past, but with this Sunday, it struck me as, what? Wait a second. Wait a second. The, the, the 12 guys that we revere the most, they're all saying, you know what? I don't want to be bothered with caring for these other folk. I got more important stuff to do. I'm reading God's word on a daily basis. I'm teaching you about God's word. Don't bother me with these details of these minor problems of our group being together. I wonder if perhaps those who heard the disciples say, eh, I don't want to wait on tables. Somebody else needs to do that. I wonder if they thought, you know, these disciples have their heads in the clouds and have no idea how to manage the day-to-day -day operations of our growing movement, let alone the needs of the widows. We've got to find some folk who know how to organize a group, how to diversify tasks, how to get practical things done. All right, so what do you think? Am I overdoing this? Or do you think that might be what's there? Do you suppose, do you suppose maybe this is what is there? Well, what turns out is that they do identify a number of people who are going to take care of waiting on tables, which might be a euphemism for taking care of all the busy work, the domestic work, the tasks, the basic tasks that are not the preaching and 
teaching of Scripture. Either way, some people are chosen to do that so the clergy leaders could then think our big thoughts and wear our nice robes. And so it was started. And so it continues to this day. Here we are. Yet the ministry of the local church is really driven by all of you, not by us clergy. People are set aside for pastoral leadership, for priestly functions, like you'll see Rachel consecrating the elements, uh, my preaching. People are set aside for some of these priestly functions, yet all baptized folk are seen as the ministers of the church. And the various functions that are mentioned in Ephesians 4, those spiritual aspects, well, those also are undergirded by a whole array of very practical tasks that help to make these kind of things happen. A movement, a, a congregation, a group, it functions best with diverse support. We need people besides who can consecrate elements, besides who are allowed to preach. We need people who can level doors. Gary Ellis, where are you? We need people who can plumb pipes. We need people who can clean drains. We need people who can care for infants and toddlers and teach youngsters and actually stay in a room with a group of youth and talk about an important issue and not panic. <laughs> we need those folk. We need people who can make a joyful noise and make it sound good. We need people who can voice our faith for us, uplift our spirits. Well, we need people who can count to four and then ring a bell. Count to four again and ring it again. Sometimes count to two and ring it. And again and again. We need people who can set up chairs, take down chairs, set up tables, take down tables. We need people who can run a soundboard, move mics, blend the music, reproduce the video, share our word out into the community. We need people who can sew quilts, make crafts, who can just really brighten our hearts with their smiles. We need people who can hand out bulletins, who can usher people to seats, especially at 9 o'clock. <laughs> you 9 o'clock worshipers, I'm talking to you. We really need you to be ushers and help us with those tasks. We need people who can run errands and deliver meals and hold hands and can hug away loneliness. 
And we need people who can pray. And pray. And then be willing to pray some more. An effective congregation of the Spirit of Christ needs people who can do all of these things. As well as all the other things I haven't thought to mention yet, like typing and laying out design and copying and filing, throwing away, data recording, creating financial records, analyzing financial records, analyzing the analysis of financial records, making reports about that analysis and then analyzing those reports. <laughs> Greeting strangers with smiles and genuinely helpful spirits. We need these kind of folks who we honor today. With people doing all the variety of things that need to be done in the complicated organization that a modern congregation really is, we function smoothly and we function effectively for Christ. These practical tasks are no less important to our vital functioning, to the vital functioning of our congregation than the spiritual tasks that we clergy perform. And sometimes those tasks actually speak to the heart as the hand is held, sometimes more powerfully than us because it's peer to peer, layperson to layperson, baptized to baptized. Without all the dear souls doing the practical tasks, the church would, I think, be weakened beyond its good recognition. So today we give thanks to all of these laity who have put their shoulder to the plow and have gotten the job done over all these years. And next week we'll thank those that are doing it right now. So bless you and wherever else you have gone, those of you who have served this church in those capacities. And for all of you, whether in the office or not, that step forward to meet a challenge that our congregation needs attended to. Bless you all. Amen.